Hello and welcome to Truth in Journalism, a radio broadcast dedicated to applying the Word of God to current events. Well, today on Truth in Journalism, we're going to talk about peak crazy. Okay, so our story is a pretty short one today, but you can find the free version online at the AP website. Um, and the article is titled, In Student Loan and Affirmative Action Rulings, Advocates Fear Losses for Racial Equality, by Annie Ma and Aaron Morrison, Washington, AP. As a black student who was raised by a single mother, Micaiah Green believes she benefited from a program that gave preference to students of color from economically disadvantaged backgrounds when she was admitted over a decade ago to the University of Rochester. As a borrower who still owes just over $20,000 on her undergraduate student loans, she's been counting on President Joe Biden's promised debt relief to wipe nearly all of that away. Now, the student loan cancellation plan has been dismantled by the U.S. Supreme Court, which on Thursday struck down affirmative action and college admissions. Both policies disproportionately help black students. To Green and many other people of color, the efforts to roll them back reflect a larger backlash to racial progress in higher education. I feel like working people have been through enough. I have been through enough, said Green, a community organizer. From a pandemic, an uprising, a recession, the cost of living price going up, I deserved some relief. The president's plan forgave up to $10,000 in federal student debt for borrowers and doubled the debt relief to $20,000 for borrowers who also received Pell Grants. About half of the average debt held by black and Hispanic borrowers would have been wiped out, according to the White House. Six Republican-led states filed a legal challenge questioning whether the president, a Democrat, had authority to forgive the debt. On Friday, the Supreme Court held the administration needed Congress's endorsement before undertaking so costly a program. Biden later Friday announced a new plan to cancel student debt using a different justification from the one struck down earlier in the day. It uses a provision in the Higher Education Act allowing the education secretary to waive student loans. The plan would likely face another legal challenge. In the affirmative action cases, the court was considering the use of race-conscious admissions policies that many selective colleges have used for decades to help build diversity on their campuses. The cases were brought by a conservative activist who argues the Constitution forbids the use of race in college admissions. Together, the cases are crushing to black Americans, the Reverend Al Sharpton said. The reality is race plays a factor in admissions from pre-K to post-doctorate, and institutions just saw their best tool for fairness outlawed, Sharpton said. On student loans, Sharpton said generations of black youth were sold a bill of goods that higher education was a pathway out of poverty, only to be saddled with crushing debt that never lets them see their dreams fully realized. Both cases focused on policies that address historic racial disparities in access to higher education, as black borrowers tend to take on disproportionately more debt to afford college, said Dominique Baker, an education policy professor at Southern Methodist University. Backlash to racial progress tends to follow periods of social change and advancement, Baker said. In a study published in 2019, Baker found states were more likely to adopt bans on affirmative action when white enrollment at public flagship universities dropped. These are policy tools that have an explicit aim around reducing the power of white supremacy, Baker said. The two court challenges, she said, can be seen as linked backlash to two attempts towards racial justice.
Green, who grew up in a low-income household in Harlem, New York, graduated from Rochester with about $40,000 in federal loan debt. Some of that was erased under a public service forgiveness program when she completed two terms with AmeriCorps, and she whittled it down further with monthly installments until the government paused repayment due to the pandemic. Payments will restart October 1. Green says she sees both court cases as connected to conservative attacks on diversity, equity, and inclusion programs. Critics say opposition to such programs is rooted in questions of fairness and in white grievances over the advancement of non-white people. This is white supremacy at work, Green said. This is a long tactic of conservative white supremacist leaning groups to use education and limit black people's access to education as a way to further control and oppress us. In the 1960s and 70s, many colleges developed affirmative action plans to address the fact that many predominantly white schools struggled to attract people from historically disadvantaged and underrepresented communities. Policies were also created to promote greater inclusion of women. Since the late 1970s, the Supreme Court had three times upheld affirmative action in college admissions on grounds that institutions have a compelling interest to address past discrimination that shut non-white students out of higher learning. Justices had also agreed with arguments that more diverse student bodies promoted cross-racial understanding. Some students and advocates worried about how the ruling would affect diversity on campuses. Okay, so in all seriousness, if you think that this article is ridiculous, then go to the AP website and read the whole thing. And by the way, this was their top story. This was the most important take on two very important SCOTUS decisions. This. This was the best that Annie Ma and Aaron Morrison could do. I mean, granted, they are members of the AP's race and ethnicity team. I have a race and an ethnicity. Can I be on the team? How does one get on said team? Are there tryouts? But I digress. The article was worse than the normal word salad of nonsensical wokeism. Typically, one can tell that those articles are written by people with a tenuous grasp of the rudiments of English grammar, as well as reality, and an IQ that's reaching for the stars if it hits triple digits. But Annie Ma and Aaron Morrison wrote a ridiculous but fairly well-written piece, and if you look at their bios, it's clear that they aren't stupid people, and indeed they look like nice, put-together, capable young professionals. And yet, when you look at the substance of what they've written, and not just the mechanical skill necessary to put it together, one gets a different picture. I'm sure that Annie Ma and Aaron Morrison are perfectly capable of writing articles on a technical level. But when it comes to the content of the articles they write, well, now the water becomes a bit more murky. For instance, consider this line. Six Republican-led states filed a legal challenge questioning whether the president, a Democrat, had authority to forgive the debt. On Friday, the Supreme Court held the administration needed Congress's endorsement before undertaking so costly a program. Okay, in analyzing this mini-paragraph, it becomes pretty clear right away that either Annie or Aaron aren't that sharp, or the people they're writing for are fairly stupid. Does anyone need to be told which political party initiated the legal action? Does anyone need to be told what political party Joe Biden is a member of? Joe Biden has been a Democrat politician since 1969. 
It is currently 2023. By my reckoning, that's 54 years. Joseph Robinette Biden, yes, that's his name, has been a Democrat politician for 54 years, but apparently the AP wonders whether its readership is aware of that fact, or it's just bad writing. Who knows? But more than that, consider the comment the Supreme Court held the administration needed Congress's endorsement before undertaking so costly a program. Yes. Yes, you see, it's Congress that has the power of the purse. Article 1, Section 8 of the Constitution makes that clear. And this isn't new news. The Constitution was written in 1787, ratified in 88, and in effect since 89. So if you don't understand the difference, the functional distinction between the legislature and the executive, I I, I can't help you. And I could go on and on and on, picking apart the ridiculous content in this prettily worded article, but there is something that I must discuss instead. You see, brothers and sisters, friends... When I sat down and began my research for this week's episode, I found this article and began to see the name Micaiah Green, and I saw it over and over and over again. And she kept saying ludicrous things over and over and over again. So I thought, okay, let's find out who this Micaiah Green is. I mean, the article tells us that she's a community organizer, so maybe she's like the girl version of Barack Hussein Obama. But no. Micaiah Green is exactly, and I mean exactly what you should expect her to be and be like if you read what she says in this article carefully. You can, of course, look up Micaiah yourself and see if her public persona is what you would have predicted, but I will attempt to describe her and to quote uh, from her own self-made descriptions to give you an idea of who Micaiah Green, the central human interest figure in this article, is. So if you look up Micaiah, you will find quite a lot of her on the interwebs. Uh, The first page to come up with her name in a Google search is forgeorganizing.org. Uh, Micaiah is pictured on a bio page, and she is a morbidly obese black woman wearing a windbreaker that says, eat the rich. Now, technically, on the webpage, you can't read the word rich, and given her physical aspects, it's hard to know what direction that windbreaker is going when it says, eat the. But if you search, you'll see that there's a website that sells these eat the rich windbreakers for $50 a piece, which seems odd since they hate rich people so much, though, as I've said before, all wokeism is performative wokeism, but I digress. Anyways, you might be asking yourself, how did I guess that the morbidly obese black woman community organizer talking to the Associated Press about how she deserved the taxpayers to pay off her college loans would have a windbreaker on that said, eat the rich? By the way, rich is spelled with a dollar sign. How did I know that eat the was followed by rich? Well, I'll let you try to work that one out. But anyways, the morbidly obese community organizer who says that opponents of affirmative action, including presumably those of East Asian descent, are white supremacists, apparently wants to eat the rich and wants to be photographed in public wearing a $50 sold-for-profit eat-the-rich windbreaker. And again, perhaps you're wondering why I keep referring to her as a morbidly obese black woman. Am I just being mean, calling her a fat, fat, fatty? No, not at all. And the reason I'm not is because, as I'm sure nobody at home could have predicted, But Micaiah is very active in the fat positive and body positivity movements. On her bio page on another website, she is described as, and I'm quoting directly, Micaiah Green is a queer, non-binary, fat, black liberation organizer who is co-chair of the Defund MPD Coalition, co-founder of Harriet Watt's Wildest Dreams, and a former core organizer for Black Lives Matter DC. And the website for the organization Harriet's Wildest Dreams, an organization she co-founded, we read this. She is... A queer, non-binary, fat black liberation organizer. They are a steering committee member of the Defund MPD Coalition, former leader of DC Money Pot, the organizer, whatever, it just keeps going. Notice that on Harriet's Wildest Dreams, she's called they, but in the AP article, she's called she. I wonder when Annie Ma and Aaron Morrison will schedule their struggle session and make a teary-eyed apology for the horrendous sin of misgendering. Probably they won't have to. But someone's somewhere noticed, and this will be weaponized against them if they step a toe out of line. Believe that. And 
Last but not least, Micaiah uses the Instagram handle Fat Fairy God Mother, with mother spelled M-U-V-A. Now, here's the thing. I'm not doing this to pick on Micaiah. I'm really not. She is a deeply ridiculous person. And in all honesty, I really do blame society. People like Micaiah don't become people like Micaiah without an enormous amount of social reinforcement. But that's another story for another day. My point is not to point at Micaiah and point out what an unserious person she is. Because she's not a serious person. My point, and what I want you to notice, is that the top story from the Associated Press featured this lunatic. Micaiah Green was the centerpiece of this article. Her input, her experience, her commentary create the backbone of the narrative arc, such as it is, in this article. And the question I ask myself, and the obvious question that I ask some of my friends is, is why? I mean, why would you make this person, this obviously deluded, narcissistic, ridiculous person, the centerpiece of your article? Now, for a moment, I entertained the idea that Annie Ma who, with a name like Ma and a face like hers, is probably Chinese, maybe she was actually active in a sneaky game of anti-affirmative action propaganda. Maybe Annie herself was denied entrance to Harvard. She only went to Dartmouth. (laughs) What a plebe. And maybe she's actually an agent provocateur for a pan-Asian consortium attempting to subtly undermine the pro-affirmative action line of reasoning by publishing articles that are so on their face ludicrous that it sways public opinion against affirmative action. I considered it. But alas, I don't think that's the case. I think Annie Ma, who seems on the whole like an intelligent, talented, and serious young woman, actually thought that Micaiah Green was someone who should be taken seriously. She thought that if people heard Micaiah's point of view, that they would listen. She honestly believed that Micaiah was a poster child for her cause. And we are seeing what happens in godless societies. Everything becomes unhinged. Refusing people college admission because of their race is anti-racism. Being morbidly obese is sexy and healthy. Girls can be boys. Narcissism is generosity. Idiots are treated as the wise. We are living in a lunatic society. And here's the thing. There is no peak crazy. There is no peak crazy. Unless God intervenes, Our society will become crazier and crazier until it is destroyed or destroys itself. But crazy doesn't fix itself. Godlessness cannot look at crazy and say, thus far and no further. It just can't. Brothers and sisters, if hell is real, then there is no peak crazy. If God really does display his wrath by letting nations go their own way, then there is no peak crazy. Normal people look at Micaiah Green and they... They see she's a ridiculous person, and they wonder how Annie Ma could think people would take her seriously. Godlessness. Simple as that. Godlessness and a godless worldview make you a prey to foolishness and madness. Brothers and sisters, buckle up. Because history is only going to get more interesting because there is no peak crazy. There is just, in the end, the wisdom of worship and the madness of folly. And they are working themselves out in history. So how's about we pray for our nation? I hope and pray we will. And I hope you'll join us again next time for another exciting episode of Truth in Journalism. Thank you. And may God bless your day to his glory.